Man, I want to thank folks who played bells. It was tremendous. Thank you for playing violin this morning. Thank you. It was fantastic. Choir, a beautiful anthem. Thank you very much. Uh, and the kids were awesome, too. That was really good. And by the way, you can create a joyful noise. I really enjoyed that this morning as well. So how busy are you? Are you busy at all? You can just wave your hand if you're too embarrassed to say that you're busy. You just give me like kind of a, one of these numbers. But the fact of the matter is, you know, there are times when we were just too busy. Uh, I mean, just to, we can't even have time for ourselves. And I think in those moments, we really miss some opportunities. And Jesus brings this up today. As you know, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking to you about companieri, uh, this idea of breaking bread. It's the root word for the word companion. And so when we come together, when we come together as a family, as the body of Christ, when we break bread, we also companion with Jesus. And so these vignettes in Scripture, there are nine, at least in the Gospel of Luke, that have his teachings and his parables that occur in the setting of breaking bread or around the dinner table. And that's what I want us to capture. What is it like to companion with Jesus from now until Easter and beyond? To reestablish this this reality and the truth that Jesus wants to companion with each and every one of us. It's a very powerful thing if we would just yield to it. So what happens is now Jesus, there's a traditional blessing. Blessed are these who will break bread with God, so to speak, the kingdom of God. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the reality of his being there and a future to come. It is an overture for heaven in the thin space. You've heard that before. The shortest distance between heaven and earth is that realm of the kingdom of God. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon the earth. So he uses a parable, takes that blessing, and then has a parable. And the parable is very simple. A master is going to have a great dinner, a grand dinner. They've never seen anything like it in town before. And he says, send out invitations. These are exacting invitations to specific people, so to speak. And tell them to come to a dinner. And what happens is that the servant comes back and says, you know, we've got some responses. Here they are. One says, well, he bought a parcel of land, and now he wants to go out and survey it. A second says he's got five, um, well, he's got five oxen. And he's got to try out his new tractor. And the third is, is he just got married and he can't come. But he doesn't send any regrets. The master is upset about this because of their failure to yield to the invitation and come, this great, amazing dinner that has been prepared for them. He says, go out into the streets and the lanes and go out and find the poor, the indigent, the homeless, and invite them into my house. And the servant says, yes, I've done that, and there's room for still more. And then he extends a 
invitation to everyone so that they might come in so that the Father's house would be filled. Pretty cool parable. Now, the invitation is to the people of Israel, to the Jews, to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious folk. But they make excuses about why they can't accept the kingdom of God and the one that is now sitting before them at the dinner table. How busy are you, really? Are you too busy for God? During this Lenten season, we are to consider that question because we too have been given an invitation. Now, I don't know where your relationship with God is, but I would consider my relationship with God the most important thing in my life. Nothing is greater than my relationship with God. But I find myself pretty busy at times doing what I do. And I know that you do what you do. And sometimes you're too busy to pray. Sometimes you're too busy to accept the invitation to walk with him, to just be still and know that he's God. But Lenten, this Lenten season, between now and Easter and beyond, I pray that we would consider our busyness and realize that the time most beneficial and the time best spent is with God. Our relationship with God deepens and grows, and God is inviting us into that. He's inviting us to not become so busy that he is held in the periphery while everything else breaks down in life. You see, God wants us to be in relationship with him, and he's also entreating us to be in relationship with each other, especially our families. You've heard me say this before, but the principal means of evangelism and for the world to know about God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is not the church. It's the family. Are you too busy for your family, your spouse, your grandparents, your children, your great-grandchildren, your grandchildren, the friends that you work with, all sorts of different folks you come in contact with? Are you so busy that you don't have time for them either? You see, your relationships will break down if you don't prioritize and place God first in your life. So during this Lenten season, I ask that you would consider turning to God. He yearns for you to sit at his table. Now, okay, there you go. Now I'm going to give you uh, three sermons in one. I will challenge you today to go back and look at the chapter 14 of Luke. There are three dinner companiari things with scri uh, scribes and Pharisees. Now, Pharisees had their entourage. They were called scribes. They were called lawyers. The Pharisees wanted to make sure, they wanted to make sure that everything that they were doing was congruent with their rules and regulations and their interpretation of Scripture, for they really were folks that were, they believed that they were righteous folks. They tried in every particular way in order to adhere what the word of, of the Lord said in the law and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, as well as the law and prophets, right? Law and prophets, historical writings, all that kind of stuff. They wanted to be congruent. So they had scribes to make sure that they were going right down the middle. Pharisee means separate ones. 
They were to be separated from sin and the sinner. They were to be an example for the people to lead. They had a little problem, though. They took the 616 ordinances and the Ten Commandments, and they placed all these rules and regulations around them. Matter of fact, there are 39 different laws that deal with the commandment of uh, thou shalt keep the Sabbath. And then there's 12 more that are nested in there to elaborate on the 39 laws so you don't break the Sabbath. One of the things that Jesus does so brilliantly and so beautifully is a man comes in with dropsy. He's got edema, right? He's swollen. He's renal failure, heart failure, whatever it might be. And Jesus said, you know, is it lawful for me to go ahead and heal this man? And they didn't say anything. The guys that were looking intently at him and, and so he heals this man. He heals this man. He didn't, he wasn't, Jesus wasn't asked to heal this man. He just did it. And here's what I just want to place in your mind to figure out and to work out on your own. What's more important, rules or people? For Jesus, who had already broken a, some of these rules and regulations that the Pharisees had cast already in the Gospel of Luke, now is sitting before them. And he's basically saying to them, to me, people are more important than rules. I want you to work that out. What does that mean in your own life? How much compassion do you have to always do the right thing, even when sometimes it doesn't appear to be in the law book? Two. Here's this idea uh, now the, uh, Jesus is observing. Now he's looking at the patterns of behavior of the Pharisees and scribes and how they wanted to get all close to him. And so they wanted to be at the particular seats of importance and power and fame so they could be close to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, maybe you ought to do something different. Maybe you ought to sit in the back while others sit here so that they can be exalted. And there's that idea of humility again, the idea of servant leadership that our Lord tries to teach us every single day to be humble, to be a people that are always trying to be lower than we are in our minds. I've done this with you before. This is our hierarchical structure for almost every business in the United States. Where'd you all start out? Maybe you started out in the mailroom. Maybe you start, I started as a baker for Marie Callender's. I made a lot of pies, a lot of pies. That was my entry-level position. But don't you, don't you want to be at the top of your game? Why don't you be at the top? You want to be at sea level. You want to be CFO, CLO, CEO of a major company or enterprise. You want to be at the very top. Nobody's above you. That's the way the Pharisees and the scribes were. They wanted the best of the best because they believed that they deserved it. Jesus, on the other hand, does this. You start at the top and work your way to the bottom. And he's giving an example for the Pharisees and the scribes to live by. And during the Lenten season, maybe that's the direction we should head too as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I remember the vice president that I was uh, working with for GE Nuclear Energy. He always, it was surprising, 
Here's the head, or almost the head, under Jack Welch at least, the head of GE Nuclear Energy. And he would always stay in an ordinary hotel room. Although the company had booked for him the best seat in the house, the best room in the hotel. So what he'd do is he'd say, I'm going to take this room. You just surprise someone and allow them to be in this room instead. And for the next three or four days, there would be a surprised employee that would be, be sleeping in the best hotel room in the, in the joint. Then when it came to meeting time, he had all of all us folks pushed to the front, and he'd sit in the back because he wanted us to afford the availability to listen to the speakers and all the rest up close to the stage. In your business, in your life, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is always the downward mobility that is the most important, not the upward. Three instances of an invitation to dinner and companioning with Jesus. If you would, look over the 14th chapter of Luke and see where you fall in invitation, in practice, and performance. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.